I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 80 Eight zero of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can draw me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. There are many ways to get in touch, ask questions, leave comments. You can also leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. That is greatly appreciated and will only cost you 30 to 45 seconds of your precious time. Guys, it is a great day. It is a great day to be great, in the words of, I believe, Ian Harditz. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a great guest on. He has been on the show before. He is a fellow Brown, so he is like my brother from another mother. Derek Brown, at dbro underscore FFB, is back once again. And before we say anything else, congratulations are in order, because since the last time he was on the pod, he has actually switched roles. He is now a full-time analyst with fantasy pros so huge round of applause well done Derek how the heck are you man doing good Evan thanks for having me back man um it's it's been a wild ride so far at fantasy pros we got a lot of things were in the works a lot of uh stuff I know a lot of people we talked about this before we turned the mics on a lot of people look at this as the downtime before you know the quiet before the storm and I'm like Ain't nobody taking a break around here, baby. Like, we're full steam ahead at Fantasy Pros. We got a redraft kit we're all behind the scenes working on right now that goes live soon. Um, the podcast is still pumping out two to three times a week. Um, so, look, we're, we're helping everybody right now on this show as well as continuing the content because, I mean, it's not redraft season yet, baby, but it is definitely best ball season. Yeah, definitely, man. Like th- that that's so true. It's like I think people that and you know, I get it. I mean, I I used to not create any sort of content and it's like you sort of feel like this is such a boring time of year almost. You're like, "Oh, there's nothing going on." You know, and you're just like kind of kicking kicking the rocks looking for stuff to talk about. Whereas like when you create content, I was saying today I've written an article this week and man, you forget how much time it takes to create anything that's worthy of like consumption, you know, <laughs> like you put hours of your time into um research and and writing, rewriting or recording or re- preparing to record so mm-hmm. absolutely i can only imagine you know as somebody who's like working in the industry now where you're getting paid you know that is your job like dude i'm sure it's 40 hours 50 hours a week it's not um you know oh you'll just stop in on a thursday afternoon and you know play a couple of games of croquet or something like that so yeah i'm sure you, i'm sure i mean i can only imagine how much stuff you guys got going on over there but what a great opportunity so you loving it then over at fantasy pros is it all you'd hoped and dreamed Oh, I love it. The team is absolutely fantastic. And it's it's such a great uh, feeling to uh, be able to, you know, work daily. And this is nothing against previous outlets that I've worked for because I, I have a lot of friends in this industry, a lot of people that I'm close to, and I appreciate all the other previous stops throughout this journey that I'm on. But Fantasy Pros has been awesome, man. Like everybody that I get to work with on a daily basis, from Freeman to Joe to Erickson, I mean, everybody on the team, Pat, a lot of them, before I even landed at Fantasy Pros, I was friends with them. I did previous work with them in the industry. So now all being under one roof, 
it's been awesome, man, because it's just a good feeling, one, to wake up and do shows and stuff like that and have a feeling like where it's just, it's like putting on your favorite shirt. It's just comfortable. It's awesome. Like, it's a good feeling as soon as you just walk into it. And not only that, like, I think one of the things that we all want to do is create and work at a job where it doesn't feel like work and you get to work with your friends. And that's been everything for me at Fantasy Pros. Yeah, that that's what I was actually literally just going to say. So that's really, really cool because I know um, a couple of those guys. I know Pat has been on the show a couple of times. He's an amazing dude. Absolute gentleman. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. Like when you find, you know, it's that old cliche, isn't it? It's like you find something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And yep. it is true, in, true a, in a sense, true. you know, because there's times where, you know, you spend so much time and energy on a project, but at the end of the day, you can't wait to get back at it the next day. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. I'm really, really, really stoked for you. And you're putting out some really great content. So if anybody, you know, that's listening hasn't checked it out already, definitely go over, check out the Fantasy Pros. Like you said, the podcast, there's a lot of work going on. They're already doing best ball stuff. Redraft season's right around the corner. And obviously, Dynasty never stops. So um, yeah, what we're doing today, I thought it'd be really fun because... Um, I love talking about values and ways that we can sort of manipulate the market. I think that's one of the last great edges that you can get in the dynasty is really taking advantage of what the group think says is the case and kind of thinking outside the box. And so I thought Derek would be a great guy to get on so we can discuss that. And the way I'm sort of like phrasing it as such is Batman dressed up as Robin. Okay, so, but using a little superhero analogy here. I hope you like superheroes, Derek. So, I mean, if I was (laughs) to ask you a basic question, would you rather have Batman or Robin on your team? What would you say? I mean, everybody wants to be Batman, right? Like, exactly. Exactly. Everybody wants Batman. Um, but we get these, I find that we, we we get these situations all the time every year where somebody new comes into town or the team drafts a new rookie. And then all of a sudden, this guy that we were convinced was Batman is now Robin in our minds. And the, the guy that was having to be a top 12 pick or a top 24 pick is now like in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s. And instead of just going with the group think and the consensus, you might as well scoop up some of that value, um, either just to flip Because Dynasty ultimately is a game of finite resources and you have to find ways to continually recycle those resources if you're going to get on top, if you're going to create an actual Dynasty or just to ride and enjoy that value because maybe the groupthink is wrong. We've seen it before. So we're just going to jump right in and we're going to start taking some turns talking about some of these Batman or Robin situations. Now, it doesn't necessarily, just to be clear, it doesn't mean that the guy we're talking about as a value we're saying is better than the, you know, assumed Batman. We're just saying there's a lot of value. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of value there to be taken advantage of. Now, it could be a situation. Some of these guys could be you know, actually they are the Batman um, and we just need to realize that and to, and to take that shot. But it's not saying, like I said, I just want to be clear because there might be some of these takes that people are like, wait, you're saying you hate this guy. You know what people are like. So we're not saying that. Don't hear what we're not saying. We're just saying there's some values and we love getting value. Stay on target. Stay on target. Target acquired. First up, I'm going to let Derek go. He is the guest. Guest first. Who do you got for us? Who is a Batman dressed up as Robin out there at the moment? Look, I, I, I've been out in the streets trying to tell people for the since he got drafted. I love Rashad Bateman, and I understand that Mark Andrews had a fantastic season last year. I'm not debating that at all. 
But considering Mark Andrews is dra- being drafted as a top 20 player in right now in best ball, you look at dynasty ADPs, he'll go way before Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman's sitting all the way to wide receiver 28 and 57th overall. So you're looking at about a three round difference in them in best ball right now. And it's, I, it's, there's still a gap in dynasty circles. People need to understand that Rashad Bateman is going to be a baller and he is going to command a ton of targets in this offense. And I understand they're going to be run heavy and all those different things. You still have an offense last year that Marquise Brown drew a 26.1% target share and he finished with 146 targets last year. Now, Brown was 12th in target share and 21st in air yard share. I'm here to tell you that like Bateman is a superior it was and is a superior was a superior prospect and it is a superior NFL player. And I know a lot of people think that I'm just going out on a limb trying to be hyperbolic and stuff. But if you go back and you look at all the things Rashad Bateman did in college and last season, he walked out of training camp hurt, then Lamar gets hurt, the offense kind of goes sideways. We really haven't seen the best out of Rashad Bateman considering coming out, Evan, like this is a guy that was 20th, the 20th best graded uh, wide receiver in college per PFF, and he was eighth in yards per route run. So I love Bateman. I think he's going to sit here and soak up a massive target share. I think that there are easy ranges of outcomes where he out targets Mark Andrews. He's more effective. And if that's the case, give me this dip, give me this value all day. And this is not slander on Mark Andrews, but if we want to talk about who I think has the ability to earn targets at an increasingly high level and is being slept on, I've got Rashad Bateman inside of my top 24 wide receivers. I think he's wide receiver 22 right now in my rankings over fantasy pros. And people could see him sell me cases where he should be easily top 20. I... I love it. And, you know, it's great because he is the bait man, not the Robin. Get it? See what I did there? Um, yeah, no, I apologize for nothing. That was a terrible joke, but it is what it is. I'm a dad. What can I do? What, what can I say? You know, I just me. I got to own it. And um, I agree with it 100% because you got to think of it even as well from the perspective of if the Ravens weren't convinced on who Bateman was, why would they trade Brown? Because Brown mm-hmm. has been successful in their team. He's done well they liked him there it was not like they hated brown and didn't want him he was really good for them last year so if they didn't think that bateman was the dude why would they trade away hollywood brown so i absolutely love that and like you said i mean 140 targets i mean that is a lot of flipping targets you know i mean i'm Mm -hmm. i'm happy with anybody getting 140 targets i don't care who they are if they get 140 targets i want them on my team and especially if you're not even having to pay top 12 top 20 prices uh for a guy who's going to get 130 140 targets possibly that is certainly certainly money in the bank and i like the way you sort of pivoted between positions that was cool i like that that's why they pay you the big bucks that's why you're at fantasy (laughs) pros you got this mind you know you're thinking around all the angles i almost did something like that and i was like no no too spicy but there you go Derek went there i love it i'm all aboard the hype train bateman to the moon we're gonna talk so i'm gonna talk somebody i'll see i don't i don't even know where Derek comes down this guy he might completely shoot me down and then we'll have to not be friends anymore and that'll be terrible <laughs> but we're gonna talk about one of the guys i absolutely love it's elijah moore 
I was a huge Elijah Moore guy coming out last year. I was getting him in like the second round of all the rookie drafts, and I was absolutely loving that value. Um, and he had a great rookie season in a very weird, dysfunctional, up and down sort of season. He had injuries. Zach Wilson struggled. Zach w Wilson was injured. You know, first year head coach, all these sort of stuff. And he still had a really solid season. Now, what I think has happened is. I don't think that people are necessarily vaulting Garrett Wilson way ahead of, but I think they're dropping Elijah Moore quite significantly. So I think that's what's sort of happening. I don't think people are saying that Garrett Wilson is is the dude and, and Elijah Moore sucks. I just think that they're very because there was a lot of hype building for Elijah Moore and it may have even been like too much at one point, but now everyone's freaked out and gone the other way. I think, I mean, if I look at, if I look at fantasy pros, um, best ball ADP at the moment, he comes in at wide receiver 34. Like that's a you know mid to low end wide receiver three. You're almost talking a wide receiver four. That's really low in my opinion. I mean, first of all, he comes in as a rookie. He's he starts quite slow, but that's normal. A lot of rookies start slow. We've been spoiled these last couple of years with these Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson situations. It's pretty normal if you look back, you know, for especially wide receivers or tight ends to really struggle or take a time to acclimate. So he comes in the first six weeks and he's not great. They have their bye week. He comes back from the bye week and then he gets injured in week third. Uh, sorry, week fourteen. But between week seven and thirteen, which again. Yes, it's a small-ish sample size, but it's not that small. We're talking seven or eight weeks. For seven or eight weeks, he was the wide receiver three in PPR. He wasn't like wide receiver 13 or wide receiver 30. He was the wide receiver three with a mishmash of like Zach Wilson and Josh White and all these random dudes throwing him the ball. He is, I mean, if it was, I mean, how else can you say it other than that he's got that dog in him? He is a dog and I freaking love Elijah Moore. I don't think he just disappears. There was over 360 targets to the wide receiver position in 2021 with the New York Jets. Now, of course, Garrett Wilson coming in changes things a little bit, of course. But even with Brees Hall coming in, people are worried that like, oh, no, they're going to be more run heavy. Well, that's OK. Having a really good run game helps the passing offense. So if Zach Wilson is going to take a step forward, people can't just cover Elijah Moore. They have to worry about Corey Davis. They have to worry about Elijah Moore. They have to worry about Garrett Wilson. They got to think about the run game elijah moore can do it all he can run out of the slot he can run out wide he's a yak monster he is an absolute stud and i think if you're looking at wide receiver 34 kind of prices that's ridiculous he's worth less than a 23 first right now on dynasty trade calculator so you could in theory you could throw out your 23 first get elijah moore in like a second or elijah moore in a third back again and i would love to do that all day because i believe in Elijah Moore, he's in my top 20 uh, dynasty wide receivers. So where are you at, Derek? Is that too spicy? Or where are you on this Batman-Robin scale? Is he more of a Robin or a Batman? I basically have... Um, it's not that I don't like Elijah Moore, okay? And I, and it sounds like I'm going to start off with, like, hating on the guy. And that, that, that has, <laughs> that's never not the case. Like, I don't hate him, but... That, that's not the case. I like Elijah Moore. My question more comes down to how many weapons can Zach Wilson support? And what is his type of ceiling? Uh, in a redraft perspective, I'm a little bit lower than consensus on both of them. I have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 39. Elijah Moore is at wide receiver 41. This doesn't come down to like, I don't hate either one of them. And I don't, I'm not that far apart as far as what I think that they could do this season. It comes down to what can Zach Wilson do? Now, I still have, I have Garrett Wilson as a top 20 wide receiver in Dynasty. And I have Elijah Moore it, depending on the day, he floats between wide receiver 28. He's in like this tier with a bunch of other guys like Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Darnell Mooney. 
he's anywhere from wide receiver 28 to wide receiver 34 in that tier of wide receivers that I have for Dynasty. Now, with Elijah Moore, the the only thing I come back to with him, and it, it, it doesn't, it's not a knock on Elijah Moore, but again, like how much can Zach Wilson elevate at all these pass catchers? And the Jets going out and addressing the wide receiver position outside of Elijah Moore. Now, this is not to say he can't step forward and be the number one wide receiver there. But this team is also telling us that if they, maybe it's like, okay, we need more wide receivers on this team. Like Corey Davis, okay, he's okay. He's not great. Braxton Berrios, we don't want him to be like a main contributor. He's a good depth piece and he can fill in. And yes, he can be productive in spurts. But again, we don't want him starting the entirety of the season. Elijah Moore, I like, I don't love. I think that we're we're almost splitting hairs with them, but the fact that they went back to the wide receiver well in this draft class, spent the type of equity that they did on Garrett Wilson, which was even more than Elijah Moore, I do have some questions, Evan. I'm not going to lie. If they view Elijah Moore as more of a high-end two as opposed to somebody who could be the number one option in their passing attack. And he had a productive rookie season. I mean, you look at where he stands in yards per route run. He was 34th. He was riding in a cluster of Jalen Waddell and Amon Ross St. Brown. So it's not that he wasn't good in his rookie season, but I do wonder, one, how the how the Jets view him, and two, if he really has that type of alpha upside in his range of outcomes, considering kind of what the Jets told us. Because the clearest picture we get out of what an organization thinks is two different parts of the year. It's in the NFL draft, and it's during NFL free agency. And so looking at these types of moves, it's it's interesting in thinking, okay, do they view Elijah more that way? Or is it like, look, both of these guys could be 1A, 1B. So I can't say that Elijah Moore is Batman. Um, we could have, honestly, a scenario where we have two guys that are truly Robin, and they're flip-flopping who is going to wear the Batman Halloween costume on a weekly basis. <laughs> I like it. I like the analogy. No, I think that is a lot of fair points that you bring up. And absolutely, the big question mark is going to be Zach Wilson. I think we need to know who Zach Wilson is and what he can actually do. Um, and I think it's absolutely fair to question like, okay, well, they brought in Garrett Wilson. I mean, the way I personally look at it is just they needed another dude anyway. Like, I, and I don't think that Elijah Moore, what I'm saying is I'm not saying Elijah Moore is a top 12 dynasty wide receiver or that he's a guy you want as your wide receiver one. What I'm saying is I think he's undervalued now for what he brings to your roster and for the upside that he brings because of his yak, because of his ability all over the field. He's not pigeonholed into one role. Um, I think, you know, he's an amazing, if you can get him as like your wide receiver three, that's a great wide receiver three to have on your dynasty squad. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a lot of fair points and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So again, it's not that he is this smash, like, oh my goodness, you know, this is CD Lamb. You just need to get him on your squad. Mm -hmm. But I think he's become a value because of how far people have fallen off him because they're so scared. And I, I actually agree with you. Like in my rankings, um, Garrett Wilson and, and Elijah Moore are fairly close because I sort of think mm -hmm. that is the way things are going to go. I actually think they have a lot of similar skill sets even, um, which is kind of frustrating because I was hoping that if they were going to draft somebody, it could be like maybe Drake London or something where they're very different 
maybe um, you know, maybe they kind of complement each other with their skill sets, whereas they're kind of similar dudes in some ways. Um, and so that will be interesting to see how that works out. But I'm just trusting the talent because my my thing is one of the things I believe is that the best wide receivers demand the target share. It's not about like, oh, is there anyone else left to give them that target share? So I that's where I come down on it, but totally understand where you're coming from. And you know, it's one of those things where please don't hear what I'm not saying for anybody listening, not selling, go sell the farm and make him your wide receiver one. I think that would be a very big mistake. He's certainly not, I have him a lot of rosters, but he's not my wide receiver one on any of my rosters. I just love him. And I do think that we have, haven't seen the full extent of what he is capable of in the NFL. Let's move right along here because you've got somebody to talk about that. I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear this breakdown. Um, I actually might have accidentally just said the name of this guy, but I want to hear what you have to say about <laughs> about him, Mr. Brown. Oh, um, I, I don't know if I can ever go on any shows nowadays and I somehow don't find my way going right back to Drake London. And I'll scoop up the value if you look at where he is going versus Kyle Pitts. And again... I understand that, again, I'm going back to the well of looking at how people are viewing target shares and offenses, and I understand that I'm comparing, again, a tight end and a wide receiver. But you look at Kyle Pitts right now in best ball. He's going as the tight end three, 31st overall, versus Drake London, who is the wide receiver 33, and he's in 68th overall, which people might say is spicy, and they're like, oh, my God, like, really? Like, you're going to pay a fifth or sixth round pick for Drake London? Well, people are drafting Kyle Pitts inside the top two to three rounds. And this is not to say that I don't like Pitts. And it's not to say that Pitts isn't a unicorn. But Drake London is that dude. Like, he's legitimately that dude. And they, this team drafted Drake London inside the top 12 selections of the NFL draft. Drake London is a guy that I look at in a similar vein of a Devonta Smith. And this is not... The, Absolutely, totally different players, and and I'm I'm going to give context to people, so don't jump on this and say and and take from this that I think they're the same player. They are definitely not. And when I say this, Devonta Smith in his final season at Alabama, you literally had an offense that was created around Devonta Smith and Najee Harris, and opposing defenses knew okay every single week we're going to get a heavy dose of these two dudes. Can we stop them? Nobody could stop Devonta Smith. And if you look at last year, and I think some of this gets swept under the rug because Drake London didn't play a full season because of injury. This guy was on a torrential pace. He was just bawling out, and nobody could stop him. He was legitimately averaging a ridiculous 14 point. If you go back and look at his game logs, it's, it's stupid. It's insane kind of crazy sauce, which you'll see. He was averaging 14.8 targets. 11 receptions, and 135.5 receiving yards per game. Those type of video game numbers are insane. And you look at Drake London, he has a versatile skill set. He can separate. I know that's kind of been shoved back under the rug after people got debunked and they had to to learn. They had to learn that, yes, Drake London can separate. If you look at his film, if you look at metrics, this is a guy who was 12th in yards per route run versus man coverage, second in the nation last year in yards per route run versus zone coverage. I think that Drake London's going to walk in. He's going to compete with Kyle Pitts for targets. Actually, I, I put him as the person who's going to lead this team in targets this season. He can play outside. He can play inside. I think that he's going to be just layup targets for days, and he is a bully with the ball in his hands. So you're talking about 
He's got the size, play in the red zone. He can play inside. He can play outside. He's going to run a lot from the slot as well. Nickel corners, good luck. That's all I got to say. You're hoping to match up with Drake London on the inside. Good luck, child, because you're going to need it. I think Drake London is going to lead the team in targets, and I don't think there should be this massive a gap as much as people say, okay, well, it's, he's a rookie wide receiver. It's kind of spicy to put him at wide receiver 33. All right, well, how'd you feel last year when you were saying we're pushing Jamar Chase up too far up the board? How'd that work out for you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Believe in the talent. Follow the ADP, draft him aggressively in Dynasty, because I promise you, he gets this type of target share. He balls out in his rookie season. He's not going down in Dynasty ranks. He's going to go up and up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm on board 100% with that. Uh, Drake London was my wide receiver two pre-draft, just narrowly behind Garrett Wilson. And then with landing spots and things like that, I've swapped uh, London with with Wilson um, post draft, but they were literally like half a point apart in my um, in my in my rankings and my sort of like model the way I looked at it. So absolutely love that because yeah, I mean he could easily see 130, 140 targets this year. Who, who's and, gonna take Kyle, t- targets away from him and Kyle Pitts? Like people are exactly, like, Brian well, <laughs> how, how does Drake London see this 22, 25 percent target share in his rookie season? And I was like, who do you think is gonna get targets at Furk Daddy? Come on. Alameda Zacchaeus? No. Cordell Patterson? Come on, man. Like, I... No, 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 no. Drake Lennon's that dude. Come on. No, 100%. I'm on board with this take. I certify this is a a Batman. Definitely a Batman situation here. Um, He is the dude. And I agree with you. Like, the thing is... You're you're 100 right. Like these rookie wide receivers, it used to be a few years ago. One of the things I used to like to do was almost like fade rookie wide receivers because you could get them like kind of mid season for a little bit cheaper because they weren't you know producing as well. And people get sick of them. But the problem is these wide receivers are coming more and more um, talented and ready for the NFL. Some of these guys and the price just never drops. It just goes up and up and up. I mean, try getting Jamar Chase on your roster now. It's impossible. Like yep. you're not going to get him for less than like four firsts and the naming rights to your next born child. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I a hundred percent love that take. That is great. I, I, I want to, before we get to this next player, Evan, rewind for just a second. When you're talking about these dynasty wide receivers, like once they're drafted, they play well, they keep going up and up and you don't see like they don't, they don't go back down. It, that's part of how I rank wide receivers and, and just players in general. When people head over to my dynasty ranks, they look at them and they're like, why, how do you have this guy this high? It's, I want you to be above consensus this year on players that I think can gain value in dynasty circles. And once they keep, they start gaining value, they're not going to stop gaining value in the sense that like, if you're too low on him right now, you're going to miss out in startups so I want people above consensus on wide receivers that I think are going to gain value in this upcoming season versus players that your best case scenario and you're 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 it's not to say it's a bad place to be if you're win now and stuff, but you're also putting yourself kind of in a quandary in dynasty where it's like my best case scenario for this player in the upcoming season is, is hold your value. Please, baby, just hold your... Don't drop. Don't drop. Please don't drop in Dynasty ranks because, oh, I I don't want to see it. I can't take it. Like, if your best case scenario is a player to hold their value, much less like versus a player that's going to gain value in Dynasty circles, I'm going to be above consensus on the players that I think that are going to be when we walk into the 2023 season, where at this time next year, Evan, 
that people are saying, well, yeah, I mean, think about it last year. Jamar Chase, people were like, they, they already had him. I had him ranked as a wide receiver one in Dynasty already. And people are like, how are you doing that? And now he he's legitimately, out, you're not going to find a Dynasty set of rankings where he's outside the top two or three wide receivers in Dynasty. So if you were saying, well, yeah, I mean, like, why, really, how could you be in the top 20? Good luck trying to get him now, just like you pointed out. But that's the type of like upside we see with these wide receivers coming into the NFL. They're more pro ready. They get fed target shares from the jump and you're not going to see their value go down. So I want people above consensus on them. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I think that's a really good point that you bring up. And I'm glad that you did, because I think that's worth exploring because it's so tricky, right, in Dynasty because you have to always be that one step ahead because once you're one yep. step behind, it's just such a tough battle. If you're waiting you really, to see it, you're already too late. Exactly. And then – but at the same time, you want to balance that with you do want to win because there are teams then yep. that go the other way and they always have the coolest, sexiest rosters, but they're always mid-table or they're always – you know, they're always in the bottom of the bottom half of the table because they're always trading away good, solid – so I agree 100%. Um, it is a really tricky one. I mean that's where I was at with you know DeAndre Hopkins a year or two ago and that's where I was at with Devontae Adams last offseason and I was getting rid of all my shares and sometimes I was like – you know, people were like, oh, you're getting you're selling too low because he's worth more than that. And I was like, yeah, but if nobody's willing to pay me that and in a year from now and, and, and it's like that now, mm -hmm. now with Devontae Adams, even though he could very easily still be a top 10 wide receiver this year, you're kind of left holding the bag like nobody's going to especially with this 23 class that everyone's so excited about. No one's giving you two firsts for Devonta Adams, you know, who's 29 years old and now plays for the Raiders. And it's the same with D-Hop, you know. It's like he very well could come back from this six-week suspension and just ball out this season, you know. Yep. He's still got the skills. But in Dynasty, like, people, they don't want that, and they're not going to pay for that. Well, and so part, part of that, and the other thing about it is, like, when you – if you wait and they get too close to that age apex, you've also limited the amount of people in your Dynasty League's that will make moves for these players because you're you're limiting the amount of trade partners you can possibly find in your league. Like once they get a little bit later, and I would rather be out on a player a little bit too soon than being too late because if you have three, four, five win now type of teams in your dynasty league who were legitimately win now, and maybe you've got another team that like looks at it as like glass half full and everybody else in the league is like, <laughs> he's not, <laughs> he or she's not winning anything this year, but they think they are. You've just cut that. Why in you got to put me on blast like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'll at you next time. Um, but with this, I mean, you, you're limiting the trade partners that you possibly have in your dynasty league. If you hold on to players too long and yes, people are like, well, I want this Godfather offer. Well, a lot of times that Godfather offer doesn't come. And especially if you're willing to sit here and hold on to a player and you hold on to them for too long, you're never going to see that. I would rather be out a little bit too soon, bite the bullet. And the, the thing that the more that you play in Dynasty, you understand that there is risk. There's risk involved in every single move that you make. You might look like a king today and a schmo tomorrow. You might and it might be the exact opposite. But the more time like the more seasons you get and the more experience you get in Dynasty, you learn to understand, absorb this type of risk. And it's trading, man. Trading is fun. That's what makes Dynasty so fun and such a wonderful, wonderful avenue of fantasy football. It's because None of us know anything how it's definitively going to work out in the next year or two. But if you're willing to take the leap and stuff like that, like 
you can get paid off handsomely. And it's like, if you believe in your process, you've been a good dynasty player. You believe in how you approach building your rosters, looking at players, getting out, buying in, things like that. Then lean into it. Like, we're all going to make mistakes. We're not going to all win every trade. Just trade. Let's have some fun. Exactly. No, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. And that's I think that's partly where I come down with this whole Elijah Moore thing is because last season, this is what I was thinking about when you were talking there. I remember last season, um, this happened with T. Higgins. Everybody was like, We really love T. Higgins. He was mm-hmm. great as a rookie. Then they drafted Jamar Chase and everyone's like, Oh crap, T. Higgins is dust. And everyone started and then he had a little bit of a slow start to the season. And I scooped up so many shares of T. Higgins around October last year because everybody was just like, Oh man, he's he's a bum. Like, you know, it's all Jamar Chase and no, nothing's gonna happen. And now everyone's like, Oh crap. And like everyone's like, basically, most people seem to have him as like a top 12 dynasty wide receiver now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um or very borderline if they're not. And I think I think it's actually time to to flip that on its head again. And like whatever you you got D Higgins on your rosters, I think it's time to flip and get out from under T Higgins and then just just you know, it's an equity churn for me. Exactly. And well, that's the thing is, so I, I agree with you 100%. And it's just about, you need to like, if you want to play Dynasty, in my opinion, in my opinion, if you want to play Dynasty and do well, you're going to have to get comfortable with making trades because I don't know anybody that I've ever seen play Dynasty and do really well year after year that doesn't trade, that just sits back yep. and takes their three picks and makes their three picks in their rookie draft and, you know, plays the waiver wire. Like it can work out for you for one year if you have a really solid startup draft and everything. But Honestly, you know, and like you said, it's really funny. I'm actually recording later today doing an episode about historical trades. I'm doing a, a, a show about trades I did a year ago or two years ago. And we're just going to look at them and talk about them and say, this is what I was thinking at the time. Now looking at it, I feel like that was a stupid trade. Why did I do that? Or like, man, that was amazing. I had no idea what I was doing. That looks incredible now. Um, and, and that's like what you do. And it's fun and you learn from it. But the more you trade, the more successful you'll be, I think. Because ultimately, especially like you said, if you have a good process or if you're listening to good people like Derek and like all these smart people out here at Fantasy Pros and stuff like that, you're going to have more wins than losses. And ultimately, that's how you then create a, a monster dynasty roster. I'm going to go ahead and pause the episode there. I think we covered a lot of ground and there's some really interesting things to think about and digest. Obviously, want to keep the episodes fairly short, easy to kind of get through. Um, we're going to have part two of this conversation later in the week where we continue to break down a couple more players and talk about the Batman versus Robin scenario. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully, you'll be back with us again later this week. Please rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. Follow Derek, and we will speak to you again soon. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate. <laughs>